Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher. Today is the first Sunday in Advent, or on Sunday it was. So, yeah, it's a special time in the church year. You know, in the church year that we don't follow the Gregorian calendar, we have our own calendar which is, I must admit, a bit of a mystery to people inside the church as well as outside the church. But the simplest way of explaining it is the church calendar follows the life of Christ. So Advent, which means coming, really holds together this whole idea of Jesus is coming into the world. And of course, we know the Christmas story. We know that at Christmas, the Christ child was born. And so in any church setting over the next four weeks, you're going to get a lot of narratives about really Jesus' birth and what happened before Jesus was born and his cousin John the Baptist and all these well-known sort of stories about the birth of Christ are going to be coming up in the next two or three weeks in the church year. Another thing that happens too in Advent is it's two things that we hold together at the same time, which is kind of tricky. We look forward to the birth of Jesus, and we also remember his promise that he's coming back again. That's one of the things he said to his disciples after the resurrection. After his death, after the resurrection, he said, now I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And uh, people have all sorts of different ways of understanding what that will look like. But in this passage today, this is a passage that Jesus, this is a really all about the last days as we understand them. It's all about what's going to happen at the closing down of the age as we understand the closing down of the age. Mind you, I think there's a lot of mystery about this whole thing. But Jesus said that before the end, there's going to be certain signs that will happen. There's going to be certain things that will take place before the end. And actually, when you read this in uh, Luke 21, all these signs have already taken place. And they had already taken place when he spoke these first words to the first listeners. He said, before the end of time, there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be famines. There's going to be spiritual deceivers, that is, people who come along and pretend they're all spiritual and wise, and they're not. And he said, and there's also going to be persecutions. So he's really warning the first listeners not to get discouraged when the world feels like it's falling apart and that there's suffering in the world. So these types of passages, this one in Luke 21, even if you read it for yourself, you'll see it really is a different kind of literature. The Bible's like any other book. It has different genres of literature. And uh, this particular passage is uses very vivid language to speak about the end times. And this particular kind of literature was used not to frighten people, the first listeners, but was actually used to 
encourage people. The book of Revelation is another book. It's not supposed to scare people. That's the last book in the New Testament. That was, at that time, written to be an encouragement to people who were going through a lot of suffering. Because basically what Jesus is saying is, I want to give you some advice. I want to give you some wisdom. When you realize that this world isn't as stable and as secure as you would like it to be, then listen, I have something to share with you. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Yeah, there's lots of things that can shake us up in this world, isn't there? I mean, of course, a big one is the death of a loved one. Another big one is that shakes our security as... uh, Well, actually, any kind of loss can shake our security. A bad diagnosis, that's hard. Uh, A broken relationship, one that you had counted upon. Maybe it's not as permanent as you thought it was. There's, there's There's a unique kind of suffering. And then there's other things like financial worries or maybe just internal struggles or you know, we, we might not even necessarily speak about it to other people, but we know that all is not well. This passage talks. It really, it really speaks to all of these types of things. Some of us are worried about the dying planet. It bothers us when we see or hear the planet suffering. And here in California, we look and we see that the trees are dying, Right? Or the pandemic and all the multiple associated losses. That takes away our peace, our violent world, just even being aware of the transitory nature of life. I mean, the list is endless, right? The list is endless. All these things can shake us up. Jesus says, when this happens, when suffering happens, Stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. In other words, here's another way of saying it. He's saying, you need to know where your true security is found. And it's not found in this world. You need to learn how to lift up your heads and and look to God, the one that cannot be shaken, in this insecure world. The one who remains the same yesterday, today, and forever in the midst of all changes. So don't fall into despair, he's saying. Don't fall into despair because God's in control. God is in control of your life, whether you feel like it or not. God is in control of this world and history is going somewhere. Nothing's a surprise to God. God has a plan, in other words. And God is moving ahead toward a goal. So it's like, don't forget that when life is hard and when life seems chaotic. There's something bigger going on. Yeah, so in all these passages about the end of the world, really... um, I mean, they're preached and spoken about and taught about in so many different ways, but I think the bottom line is 
what Jesus speaks about, well, clearly in this passage is he says, you know, lift up your heads. And he also says, be careful or your hearts will get weighed down. You have to sort of be, well, the new word is mindful, but it's like pay attention when you're going through a time of suffering. Because life can depress us or oppress us. And Jesus is saying there are lots of challenges in this life. And when your, your spiritual life is no different than any other area of your life, your inner life, that place where we hold our peace, is no different than any other area. We need to look after it. Yeah, we need to look after it. So if, if, if you desire a stronger, more stable inner life, which looks feels like peace, then the scripture says that you need to look after that and pay attention to that. It doesn't just happen. In other words, peace doesn't just happen to us. It doesn't just drop from the sky. As we know, right? As we experience. Like, for example, if, you, if you're in good physical shape today, if you're in good physical conditioning, you've spent time and energy attending to that area. Or if you can cook or paint or sing or write or play sports, doesn't matter. You've put some energy into that. You've paid attention there. If you can build a business or decorate a house, you've spent time and energy developing these gifts. Didn't just happen, right? You've worked on it. In any area of our life, this is the way it works. If you, if you want to succeed, if you, you have to invest. If you want a relationship to work, you have to invest in it. If you want your work to, your, or your hobbies, anything. It just takes time. It takes self-discipline. It takes thoughtfulness. The same is true with your inner life. This is the place that holds the peace. If you want to develop a stronger more stable inner life that will see you through the ups and downs, Jesus is saying you need to be aware. He likes that word awareness, wake up. We, the more common way of talking about it today is, today is be mindful of. He didn't use the word mindful, but he did use the word um, stay awake, pay attention. Because there's things that can deaden your inner life. There's things that can weigh you down. And interestingly enough, he chooses a couple things in this passage that I'm going to sort of um, talk about today. You know, of all the things he warns about, it's so fascinating. I mean, imagine if you were warning somebody younger than you about things that, you know, that, that could trip them up. What would, you, what would you warn them about? You know, what would you say? Be careful about this and this. Well, here's what Jesus warns about. Verse 34 in Luke, he says, uh, be careful of this. Dissipation and drunkenness and worry. Fascinating combination, as we'll see. Very interesting combination. By the way, um, dissipation 
and drunkenness are kind of similar. And I'm not necessarily talking about drunkenness as in alcohol, although it could be that. It's much, much bigger than that. As, as you know, we've kind of learned this with Jesus. It's always much bigger than what we first realize. So he says, okay, life is difficult. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of suffering. You have to pay attention or you'll get weighed down. And he's saying, don't let, the first thing is, don't let dissipation and drunkenness weigh you down. Steal your peace. Don't let it steal your peace. Now, dissipation is excess. It, it, we hardly ever speak about this today, really. It's to satiate yourself in something. It's like overindulgence. And uh, we don't learn too often about the inner dangers of overindulgence. I mean, we know about weight gain and everything if we're talking about food. But so we hear about physical dangers of eating or drinking too much. But here the warning is connected with our inner life. So this is just worth pondering over because we rarely hear about this in our culture. Dissipation is this idea of excess. Of, so it's always like too much. It's, it's an indulgence that has an effect on our inner life. Now, we can be excessive in endless ways. Certainly, eating and drinking are common, but, but it could be anything. It could be TV, it could be computer games, anything that has an addictive quality to it. It could be something that you, uh, something simple like historical novels, if you overdo it. It doesn't really matter. He said, pay attention to your inner life. How do you live in a world filled with insecurity? How do you deal with your fears? How do you deal with fear for yourself, fear for your children, fear for your grandchildren? So he's really addressing different ways of coping. And he's saying, let me tell you what isn't helpful. Don't get weighed down by dissipation. It's like a sponge, really, you know, a dissipation is if you take a dry sponge and you plunge it into a bucket of water, it's going to fill up with that water. That is to satiate yourself in something. It's like what we would call medicating. Now, yeah, like I said, it could be eating, it could be overspending, it could be overworking. You know, none of these are new problems, right? Apparently, if people have the means, they find ways to cope with life and fear and stress by overdoing something. Jesus would say, that is a peace destroyer. And it doesn't matter what it is. You could be shopping too much, eating too much. You could be over, overly committing to something and you can't say no. You can't stop watching the sports. You can't stop endlessly surfing the internet. I mean, and, and I say it's not necessarily bad things that you could be reading English literature, right? It's like it's not helpful if it's excessive because it dulls your inner, your, your spiritual senses, really. You can't really, you don't really know what's going on. You're just dulled. And, and what you do 
to your body affects everything. You know, that's why the scripture says their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's no understanding in the New Testament of, you know, we're all sort of separate pieces, like our mind is one piece and our spirit is one piece and our body is one piece. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. What you do to the body affects everything, everything. So he said, watch this, because that's, that's, a, that's a temptation. And, and the worst thing is it doesn't even work. You know, it doesn't work. It makes things worse in the long run. And, and there's, you know, again, it's not necessarily always bad addictions. It could be a bad addiction. But anything can be damaging. You could be overly extending yourself and try to accomplish too much. See, that's a tricky one in, in North America because if you overextend yourself and you accomplish too much, you are affirmed for that. Nobody's going to say, oh, you need to stop, you know, doing so much because, uh, you know, that's, that's not good for you. I mean, they'll just applaud it and just want you to do more. So you could, you could end up dealing with stress and suffering by working too much and not taking any time off. You could sort of abuse your body in that way. So he's saying, Jesus is saying, it's almost like you need to practice how to live in this world with a, a, de a degree of detachment in order to protect your inner peace because all kind of excess pulls you away from peace, which is God. It just sort of immerses you further into this world and it's the world that's causing you suffering in the first place. You know, all these things promise comfort. You know, they promise comfort. They promise to give you some sort of release or happiness and it's like mm, actually they did in you so be on your guard that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the anxieties of life yeah it's like discern what dulls your your inner life what is the peace stealer? What is it? What is it? You know, he's not saying, you know, <laughs> don't overdo things because I don't want you to have any fun in life. It's, it's not like that at all. It's like, don't be deceived. There's a lot of empty promises out there and they don't deliver. Instead, they suck the life right out of you. They are destructive. They're destructive. Be careful of that, Sati satiating yourself in the wrong things. Yeah, and the second thing he, 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 he warns about, which is a surprise to me, he says, be very careful about worry. Worry such, seems such a small, harmless fault, doesn't it? But he picks this out of all the things we do when we're stressed, when we suffer. He says, be careful about this. So apparently, worry isn't such a small thing. Uh, it appears that this is another killer 
of inner peace. In fact, it's so powerful, it can destroy your inner peace and it can pull you away from all that's good and, and you can forget all about what is good in your life and, and, and all, the, all the blessings that you have. You know, if you're really immersed in worry, it's like it, it, you just feel like it's just me in this crazy world, and I hate it. So what are you supposed to do? There you are, you know, and you're worried, you're worried, you're worried. Well, everybody knows, we all know this, you can't stop worrying just because somebody says don't worry, right? You can't, you can't stop worrying because the scripture says it's bad for you to worry, because we already know it's bad for us, because we already experience it. We know this. So what Jesus says is, instead of worrying, verse 36, stay alert and pray. Now, by pray, I'm not talking about getting your long list of worries and speaking them back to God, which you may not find helpful at all, because if you get your long list of worries out, and start to tell God who already knows your long list of worries anyway, that might just even make you more anxious, right? So I think prayer here is, it's more this idea that you get to choose what to dwell on. Stay alert and pray. You get to choose. This is one thing we do have in our control. We get to choose what to think about. We get to choose what we can what we will focus upon, dwell upon, think about. I get to choose that. Now, I'm not saying that this is the easiest spiritual practice, but I will say that it is a spiritual practice. We get to choose what to dwell upon. And Jesus says, how about dwelling upon this? Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Now, yes, of course, there will be things that threaten to bow you down. Literally, your head will be bowed. And you can keep looking down, and you can keep looking inward, and you can mull over all the things that are shaking you up. You can do that. Or you can choose another way. And every generation... For over 2,000 years since Jesus spoke these words has had to grapple with this. What am I going to do when life is overwhelming? How shall I think about this? Jesus is saying, I want you to learn how to lift up your head. Because in the midst of all of this, God remains the same, unshaken, immovable. Can you... Let that in and let it be the foundation of your life when you feel like you're sinking. Can you literally lift up your eyes to the hills? You know, we live in an area here, of course, that we're surrounded by hills. And I love this psalm because this is, was written long before Jesus walked the earth. The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's like 
You can literally look up, look at the mountains, look at the hills, and rather than dwell upon and ponder the worries of our life, I can raise up my head, literally, lift up my gaze, look at the hills, and even the landscape can remind us of the one who keeps all this in place. Yeah, even the landscape, even the landscape, you can, you can look up and you can see God. If you can hold all of this together, you are the one, if you don't have hills around you, look at the stars. You are the ones, you're the one that holds the stars in place. You're the one that holds the sun and the moon in their place. You're the one that holds all things together, and I am trusting that you are holding me. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. When our world is shaken, for whatever reason, when our world is shaken, we lift up our head, we lift up our hearts, we look to the hills or the stars or the sun or the moon, and we remember who is in control. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.